G'day everyone and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast presents Film Fiasco. The first version of Film Fiasco done in isolation under social distancing over Zoom. I'm joined by Eric Tisha, my partner in crime with dissecting these incredibly fascinatingly bad films. Eric, how are you this day? I'm, I'm great, but I wouldn't quite call them bad. Definitely fascinating though. Well, this one... Again, I, I we'll get into it, but this one is impressively bad, but I wouldn't say is terrible. This film is often considered one of the worst films of all time. Mm. The Toronto Star instituted a new rating for this film. It this they gave this a negative one stars out of five. Roger Ebert said about this film, quote, This movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with barrels. That's how much he fucking hated this film. Well, it the sounds f- like this film is uh, a supposed bad film. It seems to be uh, breaking the dimensions of uh, reviewing. It is. It really is. A winner of five Razzie winners, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, and Worst Director. Can anyone guess what this film is? Eric, tell the lovely people of the, tell the lovely ABMP audience and the people of the wider internet and film community, what film are we talking about on Film Fiasco this lovely night? Uh, it's the Magnificent Ambersons, of course. <laughs> yeah, Orson Welles, that fucking hack. Mm. No, it, it is a much uh, superior filmmaker to Orson Welles. Uh, Tom Green, uh, co-written, directed and starring Tom Green, his 2001 film, Freddy Got Fingered. This film is just... The only way I can make sense of it is that this is the biggest practical joke in Hollywood history. Like, a way for Tom Green to show how fucking stupid Hollywood executives are and what insane, ridiculous, nonsensical things he can do while burning their money. This is it's like one of those rare films where it's like the... the illogical nature of it is like is it's truly like a, something just to marvel at just puts it in its own sort of realm of like weird surreal humor it's just that bizarre yeah like I, i'm not gonna say this film was ahead of its time because i don't even think this oh. this film was really ahead of anything but this film yeah. was just I, I don't even, I can't even find the words to describe this film. I mean, like, it's, this a, might be... it's, a ven, it's a vendetta film. Or <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely one of the rare occasions of something being maliciously made. So it's like, it's like a, you can read it as being a fuck you film to all those gross out comedies um, as it was being at the end of the era, or just like, as, as you mentioned before, a fuck you to, to Hollywood. <laughs> or we could just be overanalyzing this and this is just Tom Green being Tom Green. Yeah. And Hollywood Studios were stupid enough to buy into that. And then when they saw the result, the final product of the film, they were like, the fuck do we do with this? Like, what the hell do we do? Well, either way, it'd still be Tom Green being Tom Green fucking around with people. Uh, and the weird thing is, though, this film, even though it, I think it's unfairly... I can see why people think this is one of the worst films ever made. And, I mean, we're doing this fairly early. I mean, we've been doing film fiasco for, what, a year and a half now. And this is only the fifth film we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> in the film fiasco segments. I mean, this was almost a certainty to do on this show. I don't think this is one of the worst films ever made. I can see why, but the film is oddly not badly directed, though. Yeah, it's surprisingly confidently made for something like that's given the name of like worst film of all time. Like it, it some of the the jokes 
Um, even though they're in like really poor taste, I think they're just almost done as well as a Psycho Brother gag. No, like I, a lot of, not, not all of the gags land, not, but all not, of the gags all of the are gag. just all of the gags are just like you have to just marvel at them to be like what? And it, they come out of nowhere too. I mean, you should expect that because of it because it's Tom Green. But even yeah. then, you're like, what? What is this? I don't like this. Like this movie is actively making the audience both uncomfortable and just absolutely horrified like the movie is trying to make the audience horrified that's why i always feel at home when i'm watching ah <laughs> uh, well that 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 it, it it explains a lot about you eric it really does well, right. kind of i mean i've seen it's it's funny uh that we've done a film desk of it now because something like freddie got fingered is almost like i don't know the room for some people i've actually seen freddie got fingered a bunch of times surprisingly yeah i'm honestly surprised that this film has not got that treatment like on a broader scale honestly i think it definitely has better rewatch value than, it, than the room yeah yeah i would agree to you to, to an extent there too yeah but yeah like this is definitely a sort of film that we, that kind of has that sort of I guess like following like following or like sort of like you know fame to it but I think it's just people are just so disgusted by this film and are so offended by this film that they just they can't bring, like it's a one and done situation like this is a film it's like I have to see it just to know what the fuck is going on just like and I never want to watch it ever again but now I've seen the film twice and I I still don't know what to make of this. Like, this is either a work of... I, I don't think this is a work of mad genius. I just think this is Tom Green trolling the audience, having fun doing it, and making a fool out of 20th Century Fox in the process. I could see it as being sort of like repressed trauma from the, the early uh, 21st century. <laughs> um, that, 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 like, at the time, people were probably just enraged, but now they've just forgotten about it. Like, I, I think Freddie got fingered has a, a little bit of a fault calling. Yeah, it's not like to believe it. There not... has been a bit of a reevaluation of the film, as like I, I guess of the sort the sorts of things that we're going to talk about with this film of how it's sort of like a par like in 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 a sense a parody of like the gross out films of like the late nineties and early two thousands, and even just of what studio comedies were at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's you can really say it's like the mother of all gross out films because it's just it's just horribly grotesque. Of uh, thing, oh, it film. It's incredibly grotesque. Like I, in my letterbox review, I described this as an inc truly impressive exercise in vulgarity and tastelessness. I mean, like even for then, it was it was probably pretty. Well, I mean, it was definitely offensive then. But he, just imagine someone trying to do all the same stunt now. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you could get this film made now. There is no way. There is no way now. this film could be made now. <laughs> no freaking way could this film be made today. But it's 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 got a bit of it's got a bit of like a um a time capsule quality to it. It does, and starting off right at the beginning, uh, in the opening credits, we have uh, Gord Brody played by the great Tom Green, like our hero of the film. God bless. It's. I also just found it weird using Gord as a uh, short version for Gordon. It just sounds weird. Oh, hey, Gord. Yeah. I think it's it was just, just supposed to sound like kind of stupid. Um, I don't know, like a dumb nickname. Playing off, uh, I don't know, maybe parents giving their kids weird nicknames or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe something like that. But we see how much of a rapscallion um, uh, Gord is as he's 
Speaking of uh, time capsule things, uh, skateboarding through a mall while yeah. we get the opening credits <laughs> to like some fucking Green Day song or something. I can't remember. Well, so Jonah Hill made a whole movie out of that. Not in a mall, but how they would used to shoot those like skateboarding videos. Yeah, well, I don't know. I never watched uh, because Tom Green with the Tom Green show and like Wild Boys and like all of his MTV stuff. Like I'm obviously I'm not part of that generation, so I never was exposed to any of that sort of stuff. Like he was kind of jackass before jackass a little bit. Yeah, he was proto jackass, definitely. Yeah, I'm su- I'm surprised that did Tom Green. I'm sure like he would have got involved with jackass at some point, but. I don't think so. Or was he too big at that time? Like, was he just too busy doing, like, road trip and, like, this sort of thing? when he died was when Jackass really picked up if they were around the same time. That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm I'm not too sure when Jackass started, but I'm pretty sure. I think it was, like, 98 or 99 or something like that. I think it was Jackass started. I don't think they crossed over, and I think, um, yeah, after Freddie got fingered... um, uh, Tom Green's popularity really just dropped. Yeah. Sort of allowed, like, Jackass to take the throne for, like, stupid stunts, live uh, television, whatever it is. Yeah, so then we see... It, it's, it was weird, because we, we, we before the skateboarding through the mall, we actually get a, a glimpse of uh, Gord, who's an aspiring animator, who's drawing some doodles about an X-ray cat, a, a cartoon that he's uh, really proud of, uh, an X-ray cat that can only see through wood, apparently. So. Yeah, a wooden door. <laughs> yeah, same. He he actually has the opposite of the weakness from the aliens from Signs. Other than water, yeah. like, it's the opposite. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan saw this and be like, "What if I did the opposite of that? What if the aliens couldn't get through the wooden doors? They could master space travel, but they couldn't get through wooden doors, and they were also their weakness was water." I think I'm cooking up a Let's bit of a theory, a film theory. <laughs> it, 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 it involves uh, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan sort of uh, being the the, predis- the um, successor to Tom Green in making, after uh, his first film, or Sixth Sense, decided to progressively work his way to more um, trolley type films or, or just meme-esque films that are just terrible. Yeah, I think uh, that there was an intentional um, reference in signs to Freddy Got Fingered with the the aliens and the doors. Sure, I'm absolutely sure there was. But before that, like, but and then he goes to skateboarding through the mall. But he was in his house, goes skateboarding through the mall to get to where his parents are at a bus station. Yeah. Why did he have to do that? I don't. I don't understand that. Got to, got to get get got to get that skateboarding segment in there. Yeah, because it's two thousand and one. We got to have a skateboarding segment. Yeah. T- Tony Hawk uh, turned down a cameo. <laughs> he must have. I'm like, surely, I'm sure your mates with the Jackass guys get Bam Margera in here. Let's, let's get him. Yeah. Get him doing some stuff. But no, he shows up to the bus station where his parents, uh, his dad, played by the late great Rip Torn, is there. Who is the angriest man I have seen in cinema history. This man has a lot of fucking problems. We're going to get into it, but the abuse, like the really fucking cruel abuse that both of the, that both uh, Tom Green and Rip Torn inflict on each other in this film is so goddamn cruel. It's, it's really like a strange boxing match where they're really trying to up each other and, and... How much, like, and how they horrible they can be. And that's, it's kind of like what makes some of the comedy, at least for me, a little uncomfortable, other than just like the what the fuck factor of it. A lot of it is just 
so fucking cruel. Yeah. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it's really funny. And other times it's just like, this is just really cruel. I, I always find it quite funny, the cruel, the cruel humor of it. Cause just, it just, mm. it, it's, it's, it just seems like really strange. I don't know. Like any other like filmmaker would be like, yeah, we shouldn't have like, I don't know the the father and the son pulling like these these horrible pranks on each other and then sort of almost coming into like physical fights. Yeah. Um, just just because just because they 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 would make the assumption that they could offend people that, that suffer from that kind of domestic abuse, but, but I think, don't give a shit. And pretty good. Fingers. But I think there's sometimes where it actually kind of feels realistic, but then also then the absurdity of the rest of the film catches yeah. up in that in that regard, and then that's what makes it. I think. Well, that could, that could be partly because of uh, the the kid that's always getting injured. Oh my god! Always look, it's just greatest, really over the top. The greatest running gag in this entire film is poor little Andy. Uh, we'll get to them as they come, okay. but they are so funny. So we're, we're at the bus station. Uh, at, um, what's his name? Gord. Tom Green is about to get on a bus. They live in Portland. He's about to get on a bus to Los Angeles to uh, chase his dreams to become an animator in Hollywood. But in the meantime, he's got a job at his uncle's cheese sandwich factory. Where it starts out here... I to mention something. They yeah. take him to a bus station just to give him a car. They do, because it starts <laughs> out really sweet. You're like, it's a bit of a bait and switch here, because it start, it's, it's purposefully so. Where like Rip Torn is being like, I've got, your, I've, I've got you a car. We bought you the bus ticket, but that was just a ruse. Here's the car. You get the... What was the car? Because he shoves it in Freddie's face. Freddie is yeah. Gord's younger brother, played by Eddie K. Thomas from American, of American Pie fame, the titular Freddie. Like, Freddie is not even Tom Green's character. And the whole yeah. Freddie got fingered aspect doesn't even get introduced until the 51-minute mark of this 87-minute movie. <laughs> so it starts out as this kind of really sort of, like, sweet. It's like, oh, we're giving you a car. It's got a license plate that says number one son on it. Yeah. <laughs> and and Freddie is looking up. He's like, hey, what about me, mum? And, like, Gord's kind of shoving it into his face. It's like, he lo- they love me more. He's like, no, they don't. It's like, do you have a car? Do they give you a car? I only say one car here. Do you have a car? Where's your car? It's this kind of fast talking sort of annoying thing that like is Tom Green's whole bit throughout this entire film. But it's like, you go to LA, Ripton's like, you go to LA, you'll make your daddy proud. And he drives off, drives off on his way to Hollywood. And it's so sweet. It's so wholesome. It's like, our son's becoming a man now. And as soon as he's out of driving distance, it's like, he's gone. God's finally gone. Yeah! <laughs> oh, this guy could not wait to get rid of him. This fucking 28-year-old deadbeat animator living in his basement finally going to have a job at the cheese sandwich factory. But before we get to the cheese sandwich factory, this film does a hard skid, quite literally, into one of the weirdest scenes that just happens and then is just never brought up again it just is because Gord on his way from Portland to LA sees as drives past a form a, a form a farm oh. <laughs> he drives past a form a farm where he sees a stud horse I don't even know what about they're doing to this horse but he pulls the car over like swerves the car like does a massive skid jumps out of the car into the paddock of this farm and starts jerking off this stud horse 
Yeah, I don't know if they were just trying to like harvest from the horse or, or whatever, but yeah, it's 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 a it just comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere, and it's like this is him making his dad proud. Like he's saying, like, I'm a farmer, daddy. Yeah. Look at me, look at me, I'm a farmer. Oh my god, the in, the indicator is just like he's just driving towards his head and he just screams. <laughs> he screams and then like does a, does like a doughy comes around, parks his car, runs over and starts jerking off this horse. And then the next uh, thing we see is Gord at the cheese sandwich factory where apparently there was a lot of deleted scenes here because the uncle, who was the owner of the cheese factory, not seen in the film, in the deleted scenes of this film, played by great character actor Stephen Tobolowski, all of these scenes with him were cut because we see like... Um, like 40 seconds of the cheese factory yeah pretty much <laughs> and it's mostly it's mostly just extended tom green vamping of him like fucking around on the conveyor belt like he he gets sick of putting the cheese yeah. on the sandwiches on the conveyor belt so he jumps on grabs a giant salami puts it where his crotch is goes ding dong ding dong <laughs> slapping these boring it's so like it's so it's just vulgar and juvenile. And it comes... I think part of the shock is that it just comes out of nowhere. And, like, he's, yeah, he's like, sitting, like, crouching down on the conveyor belt with the giant salami on his crotch, like, ding-dong, watch your head, watch your head. And, like, just hits... The, and the women, the old ladies working the conveyor belt of this cheese sandwich factory don't even move. They're not even bothered by this. You know what, Sean? I think uh, Tom Green was maybe making a comment on uh, nepotism. <laughs> Considering that his uncle owns the factory, he's yeah. sort of uh, liable to fuck around <laughs> not get fired. So then the next thing we see, like, he, he uh, in the deleted scenes, he does get fired from the cheese sandwich factory. And, like, there's also a delete... Like, it, you see it in the gag reel at the end of the film, like, him crawling around on the on the conveyor belt with like a bunch of cheese on his fe- on his head yelling out like you can't hurt me not with my cheese helmet <laughs> it's just i it, he was making this shit up as he went along he had to have been he oh, had definitely. to have been like That's... if you if you listen to the i did i desperately wanted to watch this film with audio commentary i decided not to for my first viewing i tried to with my second viewing but i could not get a uh, I could not, I wasn't able to watch my DVD copy, but so I just watched it on Amazon Prime. But watching the deleted scenes, I watched them with Tom Green's commentary. And just to give you an idea of like how like much he, like, and this just like kind of all feeds into this mindset about I have about this movie of just being a massive practical joke and that Tom Green kind of had no idea what the fuck he was doing while he was making this film. Halfway through the audio commentary on some of these scenes, he's just like, um, I've run out of things to say, so I'm just going to make random noises until this scene's over. <laughs> he's basically just going like, like doing that for like two solid minutes. Like he, he does the commentary for about 30 seconds, like explaining what the scene is and why it was cut and like how they did it. And then it's just him making like nonsensical gobbledygook noises for another two minutes. I mean, another way you can sort of make sense of the film is if you see it as being sort of what it is like it being like a Tom, basically the Tom Green movie and a lot of the stuff that's like making its way to scenes, proper scenes. Yeah. 
just Tom Green just fucking around doing what he would have done on the Tom Green show. Well, at the farm scene earlier, another scene that was cut was him going up to a cow and drink and like drinking milk directly from its udders. And he said the reason why that was cut, or like it shows up in the gag reel at the end, the reason why he said he cut that from the film was because it's like, I've done that like five times on the Tom Green show. People have I've been, been there, done that. They don't need to see me do it again. Another thing you could pro- probably sort of uh, derive out of the film um, is, is, is not only it make poking fun of like the gross out humor films, but also the, the sort of, um, like someone gets successful with a show and then Hollywood thinks it's profitable enough to literally make a film. That anything. They, like, that, yeah, they give them a blank check to do like, literally like anything. Tom, like the Tom Green show. It's like the jackass, like the bad grandpa pretty much. But it's like, you know, self-aware and it isn't just a 90-minute like gag or 90-minute prank. Well, yeah. I guess it, I mean, technically, I guess you can say the whole runtime of this film is a prank, but it's a, a prank on a wholly different level. But so where we have next, because after after he gets fired from the cheese factory, which we don't see, um, he goes to Radioactive Animation Studios, where he goes looking for Dave Davidson, the head of the animation studio. Dave Davidson is played by Anthony Michael Hall, uh, with some beautiful blonde frosted tips in this film. Um, like that, that, those are some per- that is some peroxide blonde hair. It looks a bit unnatural, and I know my, Anthony Michael Hall is blonde, but like he's more blonde than usual in this film. It was a bit unsettling for me. You know, just amping it up, early 2000s. (laughs) But also, like, again, like, I think, and also why this film kind of gets away with it is because Gord is shown to be pretty fucking pathetic. Yeah. Like, and and we see that in this scene where he goes to Radioactive Animation Studios looking for Dave Davidson, who I guess is like the Matt Groening or the Walt Disney of this company, like the creative genius or just like the CEO of this company, the guy that deals the checks, the guy that you pitch to. And so he goes in, he goes to the receptionist played by Tom Green's then girlfriend, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And... <laughs> And he goes, he's, he's trying to find Dave Davidson. And because like, he's just, because he's Tom Green, he's like, oh, do you have, she's, does he have an appointment? No, he's looking for, he's looking for Dave Davidson because he says his wife has died. And Drew Barrymore falls for it. It's like, oh no, no, not Linda. Oh my God, Linda. <laughs> and get, gives, gives Gord the address of the restaurant he's having lunch in. And, um, Gord is just like, oh, I'll, I'll make sh- everything will be okay. Linda's dead, but everything's gonna be okay. And then he's also like, will you go out on a date with me? And she's like, a woman has died, and you have the audacity to ask me that. Fuck you! It's just all <laughs> just building on this absurdity. I mean, that's probably realistic. I'm sure that that happened. That's happened to Tom Green a couple of times in his life. I think that's pulled from personal experience. But also just like. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but not as ridiculous as what happens next is when he come, he goes to this restaurant where Anthony Michael Hall is having lunch and dresses up like a policeman oh, yeah. and is like, are you David Davidson? Are you Dave Davidson? Goes up to all these people saying, are you Dave Davidson? He goes up to someone like, are you Dave Davidson? He's like, I'm a woman. It's like, did I ask you for your sex? I just asked you if you were Dave Davidson. <laughs> Oh my god! You know, you know what that reminds me of, just as a stranger side. Um, reminds of the fanatic where John Travolta does the same thing. I well, have not seen the fanatic. He, well, he, he dresses up as a as a. It's an English poppy. 
Because he's, he's that's his like straight performance. Yeah, well, it w- it would yeah. not surprise me that Fred Durst loved that Fred Durst would absolutely love Tom Green. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where <laughs> probably he probably this scene from. ripped straight from Freddie Got Fingered. Fred Durst probably says Freddie Got Fingered is all time favorite movie. <laughs> I can't remember. There might have been a Lit Biscuit song in the soundtrack. I can't remember. Anyway, so he sh- he basically pretends to be a cop just so he can show Anthony Michael Hall his cartoons, and then he's like the fuck are you doing it's incredibly unprofessional but the thing is anthony michael hall even though he's like very very like straight with tom green here he basically says look he gives him some good feedback he's like the drawings are good but like the plot is ridiculous like pulls out one of the drawings and it's x-ray cat um uh with a bag of baboon eyes in a in a plastic bag being tied together with a banana and like Tom Green is explaining it, Tom and Green and his crackhead energy is trying to explain this to Anthony Michael Hall. And he's just like, that makes no sense. And I'm sure that was probably Anthony Michael Hall's, um, you know, like thoughts on the script as well. And he's just like, this makes no sense. And Tom Green's like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> but, but basically says the drawings are good, but you've got no story to really understand the story. And this begins the first of so many gags that are taken incredibly literally. It's like, you've got to get inside the animal. You've got to understand the animal. You've got to get inside the animal. But he basically says, like, you should quit your job at the cheese fact- at the cheese sandwich. No, he, he, does, he has not been fired from the cheese factory, sorry. He says, quit your job at the cheese sandwich factory and, you know, focus in on these. Get, get inside the animals and your cartoons will be better. So yeah. he already... Back on his way to Portland. Oh no! You, of, you forgot how how he you forgot like the 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 last bit of like sort of like the punch right at the end of his speech, where it's just like you got to keep trying hard and harder. He's like hitting him in the chest, and he says, "Oh, and when you've done that, then you can kill yourself." Yeah, then you because, it, because it, Freddy. Oh, that's right. The, because he's like, to, he's like he's like oh, to kill himself he pulls out a gun from nowhere, <laughs> sticks it in his mouth, and he's like, he's "No, no, no, no!" He's like, oh. <laughs> Gives this them all this good advice, and then he just has to like, put the like the nail, nail the coffin shut, and just be like, then you can kill yourself. Yeah, it's like yeah, then kill yourself. It's like if that doesn't work, then kill yourself. So he goes back to Portland. On his way back to Portland, he finds a dead deer on the side of the road, and he thinks back to what Anthony Michael Hall told him in a like sort of angelic vision to like his right shoulder that says you have to get inside the animal and taking that literally i mean this is one of the most famous scenes of the film he does he does a look with the tauntaun cuts the deer open and is playing around in a deer carcass on the road in the middle of the street is playing around in a deer carcass. And like I think in the middle of the highway in the middle of a, in a highway. And I think this is the point where most audience members probably would have walked out on this film. Like if audience members sort of walked out on this film, this is the moment they were like, Oh, the horse jacking off. I can take that playing around in a deer carcass. That is where I draw the line. Like I'm almost sure of it. Honestly, I would have thought that the horse getting jerked off would have been more impulsive. <laughs> that happens in the first eight minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine that, like, <laughs> just casual audiences, when they see this guy just whacking off a horse, like, oh, they actually fucking showed it. It just happened out of nowhere. They'll be like, oh. yeah, I don't know if I should stick around for these. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, shit, did I walk into the wrong cinema? 
<laughs> Did I walk into the wrong cinema? Is this like, is this some weird snuff film? Wait a second. <laughs> is, is this like, don't, yeah, is this like some strange bestiality? Is this just Tom form? Green's home movies that were never meant to be released and we're just seeing them right now? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> God. Oh my goodness. But then that's not even enough. But then, oh no, no, sorry. He's playing around in the deer carcass and like a literal deer in headlights, a big logging truck comes past (laughs) and he gets hit by a truck and Tom Green's dummy just flies across the road. (laughs) And of course, he's he's perfectly fine. (laughs) The trucker comes out to see if he's all right. He's covered in like, you know, like viscera and like deer remains. Like he's taken the deer carcass off and he's like laughing. He's like, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the scene. He just drives off. <laughs> uh. And he goes back to the farm where he sees the stud horse is impregnating another horse and he's watching on shoving down a chicken sandwich while he's doing it. <laughs> It is just uh, th- no words, no words. It's like it's like not only like the, the the most grotesque, gross out comedy, but it's also like the most violent slapstick comedy ever. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's even the slapstick is just like so so cruel and tasteless. But I think this movie is kind of like out to offend everyone. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, uh, no one's safe in Freddy Got no, The tagline for the film is This time you can't change the channel. That is the tagline for this film. This film was made to just make you uncomfortable and just make you disgusted. That was the intention of this film, at least from the audience's standpoint. Oh my goodness. So he goes back home to Portland, goes back to his mum and dad's house. They're cooking roast beef. and But t- Tom Green does not want to eat the roast beef. He's got his chicken sandwich that he can eat. He's like, I'm a man now, Dad. I can eat my chicken sandwich. And he's like, "You're in this house, you'll eat the roast beef. And, you know, they have another violent and fucking really toxic argument with each other that uh, ends with Rip Torn grabbing the chicken sandwich and then throwing it to the dogs. And says, you're in my house, you eat my fucking roast beef, or you can go to bed. So then Tom Green gets out, goes to bed after that. Oh, no, he doesn't go to bed. He goes outside to his ramp, the half pipe that he's building, keeping his neighbours up. Oh, no, we forgot. We forgot the first bit of Andy, the first Andy gag, which, again, a violent piece of slapstick which comes out of nowhere. Like Andy, who lives across the street, Runs up, it's like, oh my god, Gord's back, Gord's back. Runs over to say hi to Gord, trips over a gutter and smashes his nose into the side of the car. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. <laughs> this kid is screaming. See what I mean by like most violent um, slapstick? <laughs> it's really subverting the slapstick where like you don't expect like genuine I- injury. Not only is it like sometimes it looks realistic, it's also over the top in some <laughs> Especially in terms of this kid. Yeah. It's, oh my God. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. Like, as much as I think a lot of this film is not funny, like this film, I think might have been the birth of anti-humor. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, um, it's a coincidence that Adult Swim was founded like months after this film came out. Now, this is like, this is like the extremity of like, 
early adult swim well not early adult swim sorry early mtv like yeah. the alex winter show and all that yeah it's, oh, so... it's like the extremity of, of of that it's definitely so he's outside building this half pipe because you know tom green is a wicked mad skateboarder and we've got his friend darren played by harlan william and um he's a he's a banker i think he works at the same bank that freddie works at his brother freddie and um He's, again, to annoy his dad and the neighbours across the street, he's nailing down his half pipe. He's like, and he's like, oh, it's too loud. Stop. He's like, okay, I'll just use the electric nail gun, which is even louder. <laughs> and Rip Torn's like, shut the fuck up! And then he's like, okay, we got to test out this half pipe. And Harlan Williams is just like, uh, I'm in my suit from working at the bank. Like, my shoes are too slippery. Like, this is a bad idea. He's like, no, no, it'll be fine uses the half pipe there's a bunch of like fucking nails just sticking out like so harlan williams just goes on this half pipe goes up tries to do a trick stacks and then his leg is completely broken there's a bone sticking out of his leg he's screaming rip torn is like what the fuck's the matter comes out and he's like oh shit and they're both screaming tom green's like trying to put it back in place he's like picking at the bone he starts licking it at one point it's <laughs> oh, dear. it's fucked it is fucked like that that's just the tip of the iceberg for this film then he goes to the next scene he goes to visit darren in the hospital this is where we meet um this is where we meet betty the our love interest of the film betty played by marissa coglin um she is uh, a, a an, an aspiring rocket scientist and physicist but working as a um working as a receptionist in a hospital in the meantime. And we're introduced to her to show how much she loves physics. She's trying to flip little cream to cream cups. She was bottle flipping before it was cool, but instead she's doing a reverse bottle flip. She's trying to do it. She's like, I did it seven in a row once. I mean, Sean, you you said this film's not really ahead of its time. I mean, it's sort of (laughs) a lot of future trends. Sure. I'm actually, funny thing is, I'm actually curious. I mean, next time I'm in, a, I'm in a hotel or something, I am trying those tiny little like 10 milligram milk cups. I'm seeing how many times I can flip that over. I'm going to see if I can beat her record of seven. I'm sure I can. It doesn't sound too hard. Well, I wouldn't bother with it. They're having this, this meat cute at a hospital and that Tom Green is like, wow, a hospital's always this fun? Because, you know, they're, <laughs> they're having fun flipping the little creams. And then... Uh, Betty's like, no, sometimes people in here die of cancer. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they're they're hitting it off. And then he's like, and then they're hitting it off. They're having enough time. And then he, uh, Gord asks her out on a date and she's like, oh, that'd be nice. And then we get a reveal. She's like, okay. And she gets called over the PA to go somewhere. She's like, oh, okay. I'll see you later. Next thing you realize, oh, she's a paraplegic. She wheels over. And this becomes a bit of a problem for Gord because he's like, I asked her out on a date, but I didn't realize she was, you know, in a wheelchair. So he's telling this to Harlan, like to Darren in his, uh, in his hospital bed. In this, I guess he couldn't afford a private room because he's in a room with two Native American women and a pregnant woman. So yeah. Stay tuned for what happens with a pregnant woman in like a minute's time. Like he's basically trying to be like, I like this girl, but I found out she's a paraplegic. What do I do? I, I, I planned, but yeah, we're doing all this stuff. And He's being really loud and obnoxious in this hotel room. Uh, no, hotel room, sorry, hospital room. <laughs> it's not that luxurious, my God. And then this woman, this woman goes into labor. The pregnant woman next on the bed next to Darren goes into labor. And 
Tom Green is like, don't worry, ma'am, I'm a doctor. And she's like, no, get a real doctor. He's like, but I am a doctor. Gets the stethoscope, so I'm a doctor. Starts screaming into the stethoscope and then oh, yeah. like takes it out. <laughs> and I think, I think this is, no, if, if everyone hadn't left the cinema at this point, they definitely left after this point. As yeah. soon as the woman goes into labor, the two Native American women pull out tambourines, start playing them and chanting. This woman goes into labor and Tom Green trying to play doctor is like, oh, ma'am, I think I see the problem. You have a baby inside of you. <laughs> it's uh, like he successfully delivers the baby. Like the baby shoots out like a oh, kitten and like yeah. he grabs onto it and like basically uses the baby to like hold on so he doesn't fall over. And like the, the baby's umbilical cord kind of like springs him back into position. Yeah. And he's like, he has to cut it. The, the woman saying like, he has to cut the cord is like, oh, I got to do everything around here. Starts biting into the umbilical oh, cord and blood sure. is going everywhere. You, you, you missed like the blood shooting everywhere and him just like swinging the baby around. No, that's what happens now. He's real. Oh. The, the woman's like, I don't think the baby's breathing. It's like, oh my God, she isn't. Grabs the baby, starts swinging it around like a hammer throw. Blood is going absolutely everywhere. It is so <laughs> tasteless and just so... But it works. The thing is, it works. If it works, can you really call it tasteless? <laughs> that is I mean, question. I think it's riding a really fine line. It is. <laughs> where it's like... It just hasn't gone overboard, but it's, it's almost... It is just disgusting and incredibly vulgar. And I'm going to be using the same four adjectives over and over, but there is really no other way to describe this. I mean, there isn't. I mean, it just as you said by design, like it's, it's supposed to just make people sick or, or just offend them. So like in the case of that gag in particular, I can see we're working in literally both ways. Or it could just be like offending, uh, like people because of the representation of the Native American women, but also just <laughs> disgusting way in, in, in which the babies delivered. It's <laughs> oh my god! It's it's bizarre. It is so bizarre, and even more bizarre is that there's kind of like this. He's like, I'm the hero. I saved the day. I saved the day. And there's like kind of like this sad sort of heroic music playing after like he successfully delivered this baby. Like it's like the miracle of life all of a sudden. <laughs> but then the next scene, it's a crash back to reality because Gord is getting, Gord is getting kicked out of the hospital. Yeah. Betty's wondering why the hell, what the hell's happening. But the next scene is they're having their date anyway, which is at Betty's house well-equipped with ramps and with rockets everywhere. And we find out why Betty has likes rockets so much because they're long, they have a lot of firepower and they're incredibly powerful or something to that effect. It's like, oh, more dick jokes. This scene is about a, like, a five-minute dick joke in, like, that takes many forms because we, we definitely find out that Betty has a couple of fetishes, one of which being, because she's a paraplegic, I guess, being yeah. whacked in the shins with a bamboo stick. Yeah, well, I think that's, I think that's like a like a bizarre gag. Yeah, there could be a darker side to this as well, because obviously the movie plays it as like this is a joke. This is her kink, essentially. Yeah. 
that and fellatio, which you find out is basically all she ever wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find that out very, very shortly. Again, but conforming to this film's like goal to be as tasteless and vulgar as possible. But what if it's just her being like, I need to feel something. Like, and she's incredibly depressed and I need to be hit here just so I can feel something. Like, there could, there's a darker side to this that the movie is not exploring. I think you're getting somewhere, Sean. <laughs> I think you, you, you might be able to, to, to bring a new interpretation to light in the, in the Freddy Got Fingered reevaluation. Yeah. This movie does get very violent in its slapstick afterwards because, like, after I guess she's not feeling anything in her shins, he whacks her in the face with this bamboo pole and... It's like, the, it stops dead for like 30 seconds. And because yeah. you're like, fuck, whoops. It's not funny. It's yeah. like actually kind of worrying. Uh, but then it's all fine. Like 20 seconds later, she's like, it's okay. It's your turn now. It's like, I don't want to be whacked with the, like, I don't want to be whacked with the stick. It will hurt me. It's like, no, I'm going to suck your cock. And she's like aggressively trying to unbutton his pants. Eventually he just surrenders himself. And we get the best dick joke in the entire film, which is where as soon as, you know, it's like an old Hollywood sex scene. It's like the end of um, North by Northwest. It's like that. <laughs> Instead of a train going into a tunnel to visualize sex, we get a tilt over to a frame, which is the Eiffel Tower being built in various different stages. I see what you did there, Tom Green. I know what you did there. You know what? Uh, the, going back to the, the, um, the girlfriend getting hit in the head, just the just going back to this, this sort of like subversion of, of the slapstick, you'd expect like her to shake it off pretty quickly because you wouldn't expect yeah. her to, to, no, to like it, like it, respond as if she was generally hit in the head with a stick, which is what actually happens in the film, which is so yeah. bizarre. <laughs> it's weird. The movie chooses to be realistic at very strange points. Yeah. It's bizarre. As I think we would have said. A lot of times. But then the next day, we're back. Oh, we also should have mentioned that uh, Betty thinks that um, Gord is a stockbroker and is a very rich man and that he isn't, in fact, a guy that got fu- that, that quit a cheese sandwich factory and is now a, you know, out-of-work animator living in his dad's basement. But the next thing we see, uh, Freddie comes over for breakfast one morning and is just like, wait, Gord's moved back in? Oh, what a loser. And they're like, huh, Gord's taking an awful long time in the shower. What the hell's going on? So Rip Torn goes up to investigate and he finds Gord in the shower, just standing under the shower in a scuba suit, holding like, look, Dad, I found the treasure. Got like a urinal and it's, it's so, it, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a soap on a rope. Oh. And what the thing is, like, this is just how violently ag- aggressive and cruel Rip Torn's character is. He throws Tom Green through the shower doors, completely shattering it. And, like, it's not even made as... It's not even really mentioned. And then, like, the soap on a rope goes flying in the toilet. And I guess because, like, Tom Green's character may have brain damage in this movie. I'm not sure. But then he... The soap on the rope drops into the toilet. And he's like, oh, my God, it's sunken into that water hole. And then, like, dips his head in the toilet trying to grab it out. Yeah, it's it's it's, just, it's weird. I, just, I mean, do you think like possibly Tom Green might have been making some commentary on like sort of generational gaps? Like this is the baby boom eaten on um, the Gen Xs. Uh, Gen Xs. Well, I'm sure. I, I don't think that Riptorn is well older than like, a baby boomer. I think. Oh yeah, 
extra fair point, but yeah, you know, that, sort of, yeah, they do well. But I think I think those the, lines. that generational divide thing. I think you're getting at something there. It's like it, the, the 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 family dynamics really bizarre, and it's not even just with with Freddie, but it's like some he's like a lot of his adult friends, like his uh, mate who was the banker, like you know, skateboarding in his suit right after oh, work. He's a man child. He's one hundred percent a man child. A lot of the adults just seem like man children. Yeah, like the only. I don't know is, if this is um, Tom Green just like this is him trying to show. Oh, this is how this generation perceives us as like adult children. I was gonna say like he just needs a bag of Doritos. That's all he needs. Or or maybe even like as a result of this bad parenting, a generation of bad parenting, you have man children, or you have these. Yeah. Children. I'm not. You know, you could be doing either or neither. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so this happens and uh, he goes down and has breakfast and he talks to Freddie and he's like, you're a 28-year-old man, you're living at home, you're, you're older than me and you're still living at home and you don't have a job. And then Freddie, uh, Gord gets back at him and saying, saying, well, you live in a shitty little apartment and you can't afford that you can barely afford and you come, you come over here to your parents' house every morning to eat breakfast. So am I really the loser <laughs> in this situation? And then he was like, oh, at least I have a job. And he's like, good luck with the job hunting. He's like, oh, Freddie, I'm going to go hunting. I'll go hunting for a jobby job. And then we get to, we, we get an almost montage here. I say an almost montage because you think it's going to happen and then it doesn't. But it kind of was because it was cut out for reasons I'm about to explain. It's where he's about to draw cartoons and like he gets really frustrated and like starts scribbling everything out. And then for some reason we get a cut to a fan. And the reason why that's there before it like fades into the next scene, the reason why we see the fan there is because that was originally an, an original extended sequence where it was ripping, like it was making a parody of the opening sequence from Apocalypse Now. Where like Tom Green is going crazy, like throwing his cartoons everywhere and he punches Punch a mirror, mirror, all this sort of shit. And the only reason it got cut from the film is because they couldn't get the right, they couldn't get the licensing for the end by the doors. And oh, that is why the scene got cut. Come awesome. on the estate of Van Morrison. Why didn't you, we were robbed of that. Oh my God. Oh, that, yeah, that would have been amazing. That would have been like one of the best parodies ever, I think. You can see the deleted scene on, on the DVD extras and I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but I don't think the DVD extras just doesn't have the doesn't have the song obviously but uh, tom green has basically said play the song over the deleted scene and you'll get the effect (laughs) that's what tom green said in the commentary yeah but fuck what we were robbed we were robbed come on so then his father comes home from work to see what tom green has been doing all day and he hears this weird mumble singing coming from his room and here we get the backwards man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> creative genius that create it's the creative genius tom green creating the incredible backwards man but that a backwards man backwards man backwards man backwards man i can run back you can <laughs> my question is two thoughts about this one him in the backwards suit kind of makes him look like a priest like the collar the backwards <laughs> collar kind of makes him look like a priest pretty funny also how the hell did he get that suit completely done up at the back I want to know how, I mean, how the fuck did that happen. Yeah, I know, but he was home alone all day. How did he do that? Well, easy. He's Freddy. No, he's the, he's you, not Freddy. As, as we'll see Freddy later. Freddy is the brother. Cool. He's not Freddy. He's, oh, he's the backwards Freddy's man. Good. 
the answer <laughs> is man. the answer is he's the backwards man. He can walk yeah. as fast as you can because he's the backwards man. So maybe he's wearing his... and him just being like I don't know. Maybe maybe it's him making a joke of of, of, of um I don't know slow people. Possibly I don't know like. Because, I, like, he comes off stupid in the film. He might be saying, like, I'm the backwards man. Like, just doing this stunt, like, I'm... I'm self-sabotaging my own life. Yeah. But he's just, he's just, like, unaware of him, like, you know, calling himself slow, perhaps. I think it's just he thought it was for Tom Green. Probably thought it was funny. And he's just like, <laughs> I don't care if it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we just had this... We just, in the, at the hospital, just had me lassoing a baby, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> or throwing a baby around like a lasso. Oh, I don't know why we can't have this. <laughs> and then watching this, we don't think they'll give a shit. <laughs> so Riptorn comes in saying, "What the hell are you doing with my suit?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm trying it on because I got a job." And lies to his dad saying, "I got a job at some computer business. I only work nights though, but it's a good paying job." And he's like, "Oh, son, you actually got a job. God, I'm so proud of you. You got a job. Good work, son." And he's like, oh, can I have 50 bucks for my, uh, can I have 50 bucks just for supplies and whatnot? He's like, you know what? I'm so proud of you. Take a hundred, son. Good job. And then because the backwards man is such a classic gag, he exits the scene by doing the backwards man. Just go, backward man, backward man, backward man, backward man. Uh, <laughs> so stupid. I mean, you can say that about every single scene in this movie, but that's what makes it genius. That is what makes this. I mean, it's just the fact that there's just no open and it just, it just happened. Like when it cuts the joke, it's like where it should be in the middle of the joke, where it <laughs> catches you off guard. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know. But the, the jokes either feel like they're truncated, which might be a result of deleted scenes. Yeah. But I think it kind of adds to the fact of like, wait, what the hell was that? Why was that there? What? what? Like it adds to that sort of, that, that sort of yeah. what the fuck energy that this film has. I sort of like to think of Freddy Got Fingered as being in like a haunted house and like the jokes just jump out at you just like, like little... Uh, yeah, it's like, like you're walking through there, you're on a ghost train and then a horse yeah. stick jumps out at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, first, you, first you, you get uh, the surprise Freddy and then, and then the next thing you see is just him jerking off the horse. Yeah. Or, or you, or you would see um, uh, him just swinging a baby r- around on a lasso, or, or him just getting hit by a truck being blown like thirty meters <laughs> across the highway. I think you have created like the idea. We need to make like a Freddy Got Fingered ghost train. Like this is perfect. Let's try and get. Let's try and get in contact with Tom Green. I'm sure he's available. Let's. Oh let's my god! Get, I think it'd be incredible. Let Let's make a Freddy Got Fingered ghost train. Let's like take it on tour. Let's. T- Let's do it. Oh, I love this idea. I love this idea. Let's do this. Uh, you know, co- just, copyright, just, copyright, uh, another buddy movie podcast incorporated 2020. Just to milk it, you can do like one of those, like, uh, like those dumb, uh, gimmicky things that you used to do, like back then, where they would just be like, oh, you could hang out with this celebrity for a day. You can, ro- you can ride the Tom Green ride with Tom Green and well, I'm screaming his head off the whole time. Funnily enough, I remember there was an episode of We Hate Movies where Tom Green was one of the guests on it. And like, we hate, uh, not We Hate Movies, sorry, um, Doug Loves Movies. Uh, Doug Loves Movies, which is like kind of a movie game show. And uh, Tom Green was like a guest and a contestant one time. And they play for audience members and they like offer prizes and things like that. And Tom Green, after like all the stuff that he brought, he's also like, oh, also I'm gonna go get In and Out Burger after the show. So um, whoever, whoever's the winner, you can come get In and Out Burger with me, and we can hang out. So <laughs> he's he does that. 
He does that. I think it'd be good. Oh, I love this idea. Again, copyright another body movie podcast incorporated 2020. Yeah. We might have some trouble with um, the legal department, like trying to get, you know, the name Freddie got fingered from uh, Regency and 20th Century Fox, but I think we'll be fine. Just spell it a little differently. All right. But then we're at the second date, which is, which is the second date between Betty and uh, Tom Green. And again, instead of a bamboo pole, uh, he's got like a horse whip or like an S&M sort of whip with a little rubber like tassel at the end where they're kind of just like smacking her legs with it. And Tom Green's like, I, I don't uh, like about, she's, they're about to get, he's about to get another blowjob, of course. And then he's just like, uh, if you give me another blowjob, that means you would have, we would have had 200, I would have had 200% more blowjobs than we've actually been out. So can we please just go out for dinner? So they go to the fanciest restaurant in town where Gord is pretending to be a, <laughs> Gord is pretending to be like, you know, a big powerful stockbroker. He's bought a tape recorder with a, um, with a phone ringing sound on it. And he brings the phone from his dad's kitchen and he's talking into it. <laughs> and he's like, you're fucking fired, Bob. You cost me 50, 40,000 fucking Deutschmarks. 40,000 Deutschmarks, Bob. You're fucking fired. Uh. oh it's and also i guess to celebrate because his family like his son got a job rip torn and his wife are out for dinner at the very same restaurant and guess who else is at the same restaurant it's little andy's birthday the kid who fucking smashed his nose up against uh, tom green's car it's his birthday and he's about to have a birthday cake he's like is like, oh, are you having a great time, son? I sure am, Dad. But then he cut. So then Rip Torn notices um, Andy and his father, because, you know, they're next door neighbors, uh, notices over, goes to say hi, and is like, oh, you, it's like, oh, how's Gord doing? He's like, oh, I just got a job at a computing business. Like, I'm really proud of him. He's moving up in the world. And he's like, oh, really? I saw him over at that table over there. So he goes, so Rip Torn then goes over and confronts Freddy. No, not Freddy. Fuck. Why have his name in the title? Oh, it's not. It's so confusing. It's a mad troll, really. Oh my god, it is. It really is. Again, it proves my point. It proves my point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Tom Greer on the cover. It's Freddie got fingered, and you're thinking, well, he must be Freddie. You would think so. <laughs> the amount of times I saw this DVD at Video Easy growing up, being fascinated by what kind of film Freddie got fingered could be, I just figured the guy on the front cover doing like this. Yeah. Was the was the um was the main character, was the titular Freddy, but he's not. It's the dude from American Pie <laughs> playing his younger brother. So Riptorn confronts Freddy fucking did it again. He confronts Gord. He confronts Gord and like kind of exposes him saying, like, oh you're a loser, you're my loser son who done who's a fucking slacker, doodling all day, can't find a fucking job. And what's this? You're dating a cripple? And she's like, excuse me? And it's like, do you, I think there's a line, it's like, do you have a problem with my legs? It's like, I don't, you clearly do. Either that or you're just lazy. And it's like, fucking hell. (laughs) So fuck, I mean, (laughs) again, it's like the movie gets away with it because Rip Torn is a fucking piece of shit in this movie. Is like an abusive as fuck, really fucking ableist piece of shit dad. Oh, he just takes shots at everyone. 
So then they start a fight and there's some kind of classical piece of music playing. I can't remember what it is. Like it's in a lot of films. It's not, Ride of the Valkyries does play later in what I guess is another sort of parody of Apocalypse Now, which we get later. But this starts a, uh, a bit of a brawl or a fight in between um, in, the, in the restaurant where Tom Green gets up and starts playing the violin. Like it gets up on like the waiter's counter and starts playing the violin. And oh, like, I don't know, Rip Torn grabs a wine, a wine glass or a wine bottle, goes to throw it at Tom Green. Uh, he ducks out of the way and hits poor little Andy in the face. <laughs> and yet you should mention that like throughout the whole film, poor little Andy's just like every time he gets injured, you can see the damage. He has a, he has a bigger and bigger like black eye or like yeah. massive scar or, he, or, or like bruise on his face. All that. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's never not funny. It's kind of the stupidest gag in the whole film, but it is always funny. oh it's so bizarre so then the cops come in and uh the cop fires off a warning shot which is an actual live round and then freddy gets fucking hell i did it again it's it's me confusing you with henry back on our book of henry episode all over again but it's actually justified here though betty bails him out um and basically says look i don't care that like you're not a stockbroker like like, like you're a cartoonist that's really cool maybe you're just trying too hard with the cartoons maybe you should i don't know like eat something like play some music like do other things while you're writing cartoons get a bit of inspiration and again like with the get inside the animals like gord takes every little piece of advice a little too literally so he does all the same things at the same time and this might be the most famous I don't know, this might be the most famous scene of the film. This made the fake Criterion cover, which is actually on the IMDb's photos for this film. The fake Criterion cover is uploaded as one of the official stills on IMDb for this film. That is Incredible. perfect. I mean, I think, is... <laughs> I think Freddie Goodfingers, to be honest, deserves the Criterion release, especially if you've got, like, Michael Bay stuff in their archive. Michael Bay has two films in the yeah, Criterion two Collection. Films in the Criterion Collection. You can at least like throw Freddie Got Fingers. Th- throw there. Tom Green's Tom Green's fucking opus I, in there. I mean, I think it's uh, <laughs> I think it's just highbrow enough. Maybe inverted highbrow. I don't know. Look, I'm almost guarantee it's better than some films in the Criterion. It is better than some films in the Criterion Collection. Oh, definitely. We get to see the, like, the creative genius at work of how he's trying to, you know, drive inspiration. And that is him drawing his cartoons whilst playing the piano, wearing a shower cap with two stakes hanging over his head. Like, wearing two pieces of steak as earrings, playing yeah. the piano with strings tied to his fingers of, like, the strings thrown over the top. And each piece of string has a sausage tied to it. So when he plays the piano and moves his fingers up and down, like he's the fucking Phantom of the Opera, like sausages on the strings go up and down and up and down. It's just, where did that, I want to know how that idea came to be and why. I think it's amazing, especially the dialogue when, when Rip Torn when the, comes yeah, when, back home and then just finds him. He's like, what the well, fuck are you doing? Well, first, um, first Darren, like he's finally out of the hospital. He's got his leg in a cast now. He's walking around. He's seeing the, seeing the cartoons that he's drawing. 
And he says, hey, these are pretty good. And he's like, holy shit, is this guy your dad? Yeah. And it's like, I guess the best, the best art comes out of A, trauma, and two, your own personal experiences, or both. And that's what we get when we get to Zebras in, zebras in America. <laughs> and I mean, I think uh, what Tom Green is trying to say is that he's, uh, he's like the Franz Kafka of cartoons. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Tom Green. I'm not going to call him Gord. Yeah. Tom Green. It's that way I'm not going to mistake him for the Fra- The Franz Kafka of... <laughs> it's the Franz Kafka of comics. Yeah, I'm sure there's an alternate version of Freddy Got Fingered where, like, at this, at this whole time, he's slowly turning into a beetle as well. Yeah. Slowly turning into a beetle. Maybe he gets into some lawsuit over a, one of some criminal activity that he's done. <laughs> Damages at the cheese factory and just gets lost inside a courthouse. Yeah. But, it's, but it's just so weird that everything is so wacky. Like, kind of like what... Um, I heard described as Deerskin, a film we saw at MIFF last year, the latest Quentin Depew film, where, but I think this film kind of does it right. Like, yeah. he is a absurd character in a normal world. Yeah. But, like, I think there's a lot of things in this world that are wacky, even though I think, I think it's him and Tom, Tom Green and Rip Torn are the only two fucking psycho, like, absurd people in this entire in this entire world that is just kind of the cartoon characters yeah they're they're the cartoons in this like i mean even betty's a little bit cartoonish in that respect too but like not as outwardly as tom green or rip torn is in this film so much so it makes sense that gord is an aspiring cartoonist but anyway rip torn comes in and you know in classic rip torn style as you know deadbeat fucking abusive dad is like the fuck is this? Like, oh, our son's being creative, honey. And this is where we get the great line of, Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> but again, it's incredible. It's, but then, like, this fucking is the last straw for Rip Torn. He fucking, like, rips all the strings off, which, like, sends, like, um, Tom Green, like, standing up and, like, kind of, yeah. like, trapped a it's little bit. It's like a police system. Yeah, like, takes all the... Yeah, down. on a pulley system. And, he, and his fingers just go yeah, right he's, like, stuck up there. And then he breaks the little keyboard that he's playing, and, like, he has just fucking gone off. Like, there is steam coming off Rip Head's... Rip, Rip Torn's head in this scene. Because then, next... He ties the half pipe that Tom Green's been building, drives it out to the road, and then drives his fucking ute through it. <laughs> and this is where, like, Tom Green is basically like, he's like, oh my God, like, this is so cruel. Because it is cruel. It's <laughs> incredibly cruel. It is two people trying to outdo each other into how fucking awful they can be. Like, I guess in that sense, this is also kind of proto. It's always sunny in Philadelphia as well. Yeah. But then, like, this is where Tom Green is like, I hate him. I hate him. He's a stupid. He's, he's a stupid. He says he's a stupid <laughs> over and over. And his mum's like, he doesn't mean it. He's just a bit aggressive. And he's like, you don't deserve him, mom. If I were you, I'd go have sex with men, with very strange men. I would go out and I'd have sex with strange men, with basketballers. Put that in your back pocket for the end of the film, by the way. Um, <laughs> and it's basically like, you don't deserve him, mom. You deserve better. You deserve to have sex with strange men or basketballers or millionaires, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
So what comes next? Oh my God. <laughs> no, next is when they go to family therapy. And this is where basically, like Tom Green is basically saying like, oh, I don't think my dad respects me. And basically like the therapist is like, do you hear what, do you hear what God is saying? And then he's like, oh, I hear him. I hear him complaining about some shit. He'll get over it. It's tough luck. He lives in my house. He follows my rules. And this is where like, huh, at least I don't molest Freddie. And he's like, what? And creates this lie that Rip Torn molested Freddie. And then is like, you little bastard, I'll kill you. <laughs> and then like grabs a bust of like Sigmund Freud or something that's in this fucking, um, this um, counselor's office throws it out the window, like smashes the window with it and then Gord jumps out the window to run away. <laughs> and then the next thing, next thing you see is um, at Freddy's house. And it actually is Freddy this time. It is Freddy. It's Freddy. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the counsellor comes over to his, um, to his house. But before that, Freddy is watching some sort of operation on TV. The operation that's on the TV is from the Tom Green Cancer Special, which aired on MTV in 2000, which is the actual footage of the surgery Tom Green underwent to remove a lymph node in his testicles due to, due to cancer. When Tom Green got testicular cancer, that is the actual footage of the doctors operating on him, which is a bizarre thing to put in your movie that was released theatrically. <laughs> It's a strange, as I said, like, you know, this is essentially the Tom Green movie. It is the Tom Green movie. It is is unashamedly and very outwardly and proudly the Tom Green film. Anyway, the the counsellor rocks up to Freddy's house and is like, we're looking for Freddy. And it's like, yeah, that's me. It's like, oh, I thought you'd be older. And it's like, it's okay that your father molested you. It's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's okay. It's all right. You're a victim. It's fine. It's like, no, my dad never molested me. It's like, it's okay. You're safe now. We're going to take you to this place, which is quite literally called the Institute for Sexually Molested Children. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, basically the cops and the counselor are taking Freddie away to this place. And this is right as um, Rip Torn and his mother are coming home. They're being sent away. Then we go down, we go back into the basement and then we see, um, Tom Green is making more cartoons. Riptorn comes down drunk and is like, fuck you. Like, I'm ashamed to call you my son. You're an embarrassment to my family. He puts down a mostly drinking bottle of wild turkey. So, you know, this guy is absolutely fucking sloshed. And like, he starts ripping up his drawings and he's like, you know what? Fuck you, dad. It's like, oh, fuck me. Oh, Okay. Then starts to take off his suspenders, pulls down his pants, showing his bare ass to Tom Green. He's like, come on, why don't you fuck your daddy? Come on, you said you want to fuck me, so fuck me. (laughs) And then his mother, so then Tom Green's mother comes down and like sees what's going on. And like the Tom, Rip Torn doesn't see her. You only just see her drop her teacup in slow motion. Rip Torn then hears that, looks over, she's gone. And then he's just like, oh, what, whatever you saw, it was out of context. And no, 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 whatever you saw. <laughs> but basically, this is where Tom Green basically gives up on being a cartoonist. He throws his, he throws his drawings in the garbage in actually a really, really good, really, really well-directed scene of him 
walking. I mean, it's also kind of parodic, but it's also really, really well done. It's and it's raining. He's given up. He's sadly walking in slow motion to the to a Moby song, and it's actually really well directed. Like there is a sense of sadness and melancholy in this scene, which I was not expecting from Freddie Got Fingered. But then it wraps up the absurdity again when he goes for a job interview in a in a submarine sandwich store which says help wanted. No, he goes into a submarine sandwich store with a sign that says help wanted, experience in cheese sandwiches needed or something to that effect. <laughs> and the whole idea, like I understand of a ham sandwich, but a cheese sandwich, like the whole idea of the cheese sandwich factory. Uh, no, but then we go, no, first of all, we get to go to the Institute of Sexually Molested Children and there's a bunch of actual children there. And then there's, <laughs> then there's um, uh, Freddy there on the couch um, watching uh, with a bunch of children watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre which correct me if I'm wrong because I shamefully have not seen this yet but I believe that's about a bunch of sexually abused children right? I don't know about that actually <laughs> but anyway they're watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and one like... why are all the kids watching this and yeah, I think it was supposed to be more that, like, they're supposed to be watching, like, a, uh, what's supposed to be, like, a really scary or violent film, which is, yeah. you know, not really... Maybe it's uh, the fact that, like, the, all these kids are completely desensitized to this kind of stuff because of their trauma. And, like, Freddie even gets asked on the couch by, like, this kid, it's like, did you get molested? And he's like, no, I didn't. It's like, it's okay, we all did. You don't have to deny it around up. It's okay, this is a safe space. <laughs> but don't, don't you think that maybe, I don't know, maybe Tom Green, maybe this is just me just uh, reading too much into the film, maybe Tom Green I'm was sure making it is. a weird joke uh, where, like, originally Toby Hooper, when he, when he edited um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that he wanted, the, wanted it to be, like, a kid's film, like, get a PG rating, but it ended up getting an X rating because it's so, I don't know, so frightening, or the... the um, but from what I've heard about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, again, shamefully, I have not seen it. I will it's, amend that very it's not, quickly. It's not very violent. You don't really no. see a lot of explicit violence, but it's all... It's all um, in the editing. It's all in, yeah. not, not implied, but it's like, you know, it's the editing that gets you. It's what you don't yeah. see that's scarier. Yeah, it's, yeah, as you, well, I would say that it's implied in that sense. It just, yeah, it's, the, the editing's just very visceral, so it gives you the impression that you're seeing more than what you've actually seen, sort of like that like a shower sequence no this is where tom green drives out to like an airstrip where betty is um testing out her rocket powered wheelchair that she's building <laughs> as you do because she's a budding rocket scientist i guess and uh it doesn't work and she basically says don't you and then tom green is basically saying yeah i gave up we're both losers you know you're such a stupid idiot because you can't get your rocket you can't get your rocket launcher wheelchair working <laughs> so Basically, he, he leaves. He leaves her. That happens. Then we see his job at the at the sandwich shop, and this guy who is acting way too dramatic to be in Freddy Got Fingered is like, "Excuse me, I, I ordered this cheese sandwich. Where is the cheese in this cheese sandwich?" And like that's like his intonation. Like he's very, very kind of like stern and like acting way too serious to be in Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> And then this is where this is where Freddy's like is like, oh, you want some cheese, huh? And basically grabs all the cheese from like the salad bar and stuffs it all in this sandwich. And is like, what the hell am I gonna do with this? He's like, you can stick the cheese in your bum bum. 
he starts walking away and then he's like, you can put the cheese in your bum. It's like, and there's like, there's no time to process these seeds. They come out of nowhere. Even when they happen, you're like, you should be expecting them at this point, but you don't. Because so much time is spent on like the relationship between Tom Green and the father and like how fucking toxic and violently aggressive and cruel that is that when these scenes kind of come out of nowhere, I guess they're like the world's weirdest form of levity. But even in that, they are so extreme. It is jarring. It's literally jarring. It's like, it's like the way that he behaves is just like how, how a child would behave. So I don't know if it's like, if, if I if I'm gonna remember if I remember this correctly, like the opening of Freddy Got Fingered, um, when you get in the like the title card and everything, he's just like laughing on his bed like maniacally without yeah. any music. It's really like well, I I like I I've always found it unsettling when I when I saw it, and I'm <laughs> wondering like is this because like like the like it's like unaware? Or, I mean, Freddy's just unaware of how damaged he is. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure. So like when he's just when he's just behaving like a kid, this is just I don't know. This is just him just behaving normally. <laughs> Everyone else is I don't know from his perspective uh, strange. Yeah, saying like stuff like with the cheese in your bums, like what a primary school would come up with is like an insult. It is. It's it's mad. It's man children stuff. Is what <laughs> it is. And then what happens? Um, uh, the mother walks out on Rip Torn, basically saying, "Like I heard what you did to Freddie, and I saw it's like it's disgusting what you did to Freddie, and I, I like I had a hard enough time forgiving you for that, but then I saw what you were doing with Gord last night, and I can't be with you anymore." It's like that was out of context. And basically, she drives off, and this is where we get the third great gag with poor little Andy. They're playing catch in their front lawn. The father sees the mother drive off and he just piffs the ball and it hits the poor little Andy straight in the face again. <laughs> and there's a fucking fountain of blood spurting from his face again. Oh my God. Some more teeth. It, never, it never gets old. It's never not funny. It's the gift that keeps on giving in this film. It really is. Uh, Gord is still, uh, he's got the job at the, sa- at the sandwich shop, which he still hates, which he hates now. And he's mopping, he's, he's cleaning up after closing. He's literally mopping the tables, like knocking <laughs> off the serviette and like, you know, like uh, sauce, sauce bottles and shit while he does it. And then on the news in the TV in the corner, he is inspired because Betty got her rocket powered wheelchair to work. It went from zero to 60 miles in four seconds. And it's hilarious because you see a CGI like um, rocket wheelchair fly past as like this as this news reporter is like reporting on it. It's like, wow, look at her go! And this inspires Gord to to you know respark his dream as an animator. He quits his job at the sandwich shop and he's like, I have to once again bow out of my career in the sandwich making in, in the cheese sandwich industry. And then he gets in the car, drives back to LA and pitches his cartoon to Anthony Michael Hall, literally runs into the building. And like, it's a bit, it's just strange in like, and it's also like, as soon as he runs into Anthony Michael Hall's office, it's like, what, do you have a bomb in there? It's like, he acts so (laughs) cavalier about it. And it's like, oh yeah, this movie was released like five months before 9-11. It was still, we still had that attitude by at that time. But anyway, so like he comes in and he was like, he starts pitching the idea of zebras in America. And he's like, this is kind of funny. It is like this, this has, this could be good, but like, I just don't know if it's that funny. 
And then Rip Torn, who's driven all the way to LA, drives up, like goes into the, the animation studio, goes up to Drew Barrymore and like, where the fuck is my son? It's like, excuse me, sir, you can't go in there. Grabs Drew Barrymore and throws her into like a bunch of like, because I guess it's called Radioactive Animation Studios, giant radioactive barrels that are there. He just like tosses her into it. And that's the end of Drew Barrymore in this film. <laughs> she has ended off screen. The, uh, her last moments in this film that was directed by her then boyfriend and then later husband <laughs> is her being thrown into a bunch of inanimate objects. So then basically Rip Torn like, comes into the office of Anthony Michael Hall because he, he is out for blood. He wants to fucking kill Tom Green at this point. He wants to murder his own son. And Anthony Michael Hall thinks it's all part of the pitch. And because of that, he's like, this is like the greatest pitch I've ever seen. You are a genius. Like, this show is perfect. I'm going to write you a check for a million dollars. This and the fact that how Gord spends the money is emblematic of what I think this film is and my theory towards the film in that this is just a practical joke. And Tom Green is basically saying like, I wasted so much money for this film. Look how fucking easy it was. Look how so how, look how stupid some people are. They will buy anything. Because we actually see footage of what zebras in America would look like. And speaking of Adult Swim from earlier, this looks like a show that would be on Adult Swim. Oh, now. definitely. Just having like, that, this looks like, like, like some gag of them being like sent to a zebra. This looks like fucking Mr. Pickles shit. And I know that's a show you hold very close to your heart, but Mr. Pickles is fucking just like, that's vulgar, just violent yeah. trash for no reason. That show is complete trash. But yeah. like, it is just like, it's ridiculous and absurd because he's looked like, look at my hooves, listen to my hooves. And like the whole concept of zebras in America is that they're like zebra centaurs that were like banished from Africa because they were the minorities because the humans hated them because they had horse bottoms and the zebra had zebra bottoms and the zebras hated them because they had hot human tops. So they migrate to America and it's about their daily problems there. And then we see the itchy and scratchy-esque violence that we get to see in this cartoon which is the um, Rip Torn surrogate in this show ripping the bottom jaw off the Tom Green of Zebra Centaur, tying him to the back of his car, driving him around with his teeth and face, <laughs> dragging on, on the road, being dragged across concrete. This, this cartoon dragging across concrete, starring Michael Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's all like, now watch our cartoon! Oh, look at my hooves! Listen to them clap! Yay! Yay! It's... I mean, if you were to pitch this to Adult Swim now, they would buy it. I'm, I'm surprised mm -hmm. Tom Green hasn't done that already. I'm surprised they didn't just make a knockoff <laughs> cartoon. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I mean, they did... They did They've done that before. They've done that for like Napoleon Dynamite. It's a Napoleon oh Dynamite. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm not kidding. It's fucking terrible. I forgot that existed. <laughs> yeah, there was only six episodes of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they could, if they could have done it for Napoleon Dynamite. Why the hell didn't they do it for the zebras in America? It would have and Napoleon Dynamite is a film that is try that thinks it's good, but it's a piece of trash. Napoleon Dynamite is fucking trash. 
Like oh. that that film is trying to be anti-comedy, but that is like anti-comedy in the fact that it's not funny. Not anti-comedy in the fact that it's trying to go against what is humorous and is trying to, you know, make fun of the fact that it's not funny. That film is just not funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't understand the appeal of, of Napoleon Dynamite. You know like... what? I'll, I'll go on the record. Freddie Got Fingered, better than Napoleon Dynamite. I I I'll definitely second that. I, I don't know. I think the Bollywood and Dynamite's a pretty rubbish film. I think it's just it really just appeals to weird fucking hipster guys. So yeah. just like, oh wow, well, look 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 how zany this dude is. Okay, look how deadpan so, it is. So then <laughs> Tom Green goes back to Portland, goes to his friend, goes to Darren at the bank who Oh, because also how Rip Torn got the information that um Tom Green went to Hollywood to sell his cartoons is because Darren, who has a fucked up leg because there was a bone sticking out of it because he stacked on the half pipe, um, had his cast kicked in by Rip Torn, interrogating where he is. <laughs> and now he's like been completely get the shit kicked out of. He's in like a neck brace now. <laughs> and he's still working as a teller at this bank. Gord comes up and like tries to cash his check for a million dollars and be like, give me $100,000 now and put everything else into a savings account. And the next thing we see is this is the flight of the Valkyrie sequence where, where he's flying in the helicopter. He, uh, he, hovers, a jet, like he hovers outside um, Betty's window, tells her to go to the roof, basically does the big apology. And he's like, you and, I saw you on TV with your rocket-powered wheelchair. Firstly, there's a gag that they're standing right under the helicopter and like, that she can't hear anything. And he's basically screaming at her. He's like, you are my inspiration! And it, but then the next scene, like to get back to like, I guess like the melodrama the film is going for, or like the more like kind of um, emotional sequences of like, you know, you inspired me. They're basically just talking normally again, (laughs) which is funny. And this is where we get another immortal line, which is um, basically like, I did it for you. You inspired me and I sold my cartoon for a million dollars. I blew a hundred thousand of it on this helicopter. And I brought you jewels. I got you jewels, Betty. They're perfect. They're beautiful jewels. And this is where we get the immortal line of like, oh, God, I don't, I don't care about jewels. I just want to suck your cock. I thought you were going to mention like he, he, he lists because he's always listing the pricing of, of things. And he's like, this is... He, he doesn't mention the jewels yet. He does not mention the jewels yet. It's only, when, it's only when after, um, which is the next scene, which is where he breaks into his parents' house, like dressed like a black op too. Like yeah. has, he says he spent, he said later in the film, he says he spends $100,000 to rent a helicopter. Then he spends $150,000 on the jewels he gave to Betty. But then he has all this fucking spy equipment. He has like a laser to cut open a hole in the window yeah. of the front door to unlock the door. And then has like a trank gun which he gets, which he shoots Rip Torn with. So he, <laughs> so he breaks into the house, turns like turns off the switchboard, like wakes up, like basically like says like sweet dreams, Daddy. Shoots Rip Torn with a trank dart, then gets this excavation team in to basically have this plan to. Which we'll find out, and it's like he basically says how much will, like like it's like this is gonna it's gonna be a lot cheaper if we just you know t- tear down the whole thing and yeah. rebuild it. But he's basically like money is no issue to me, I, and this is where he spends says he spends how much on all that stuff. 
Firstly, that laser thing would have been worth a lot. And the fucking Trank dart and like all his fucking, you know, black op gear, that would have yeah, cost would have a lot. And he would have had to get it on like some sort of fucking black market. Yeah, too. exactly. So basically like this excava- excavation team and like builders basically say, basically say, okay, we'll do it if money is no is- issue to you. And this is basically where it's like, I have a, I, yeah, there's a, there's a check for a seven, seven, yeah, $750,000. It's all I have. I- I'll spend it. I'll, I'll give it to you. And then it will be gone. That's a million dollars gone. And I'm like, that's this movie. This movie is $14 million gone. Because this movie costs $14 million to make, which is actually pretty impressive. Looking back at it, it's actually... much worse. Yeah, like, there's films, like, there's a lot of films that, like, How Do You Know, which is a... How Do You Know is a film that is directed by James L. Brooks which cost, it's a romantic comedy. That movie cost $120 million for a romantic comedy. And you wonder <laughs> how, where the money goes and something like that. Is that. Was that all marketing, was it? No, no, no. That's before marketing. Yeah, that's that's 50 million of that was actor salary. Fuck hell. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just... Funny, I mean, big movies, they're not cheap, you know. You could get an actor's... Paying you money for made... like rewrites, it really racks up. You could have made like eight Freddy Got Fingers for that price. I would have rather eight Freddy Got Fingers just turn into like a <laughs> like a slasher movie franchise. And this film, this film, I don't think this film did not get a theatrical release outside of the US and Canada actually. So yeah. and th- and this film did break even. Like it only made like fourteen and a half million at the global box office because it was actually, only it was only released it in the US play and anywhere Canada. else. Um, well, the, the the terrible critical reception yeah. cancelled its theatrical releases everywhere, so <laughs> you can understand. I mean, I can you can understand why. But soon we see, then we get we cut to a week later to see what the hell like Gord's plan was. Yeah. We wake up and we see, and then Rip Torn wakes up to see he's connected to an IV. So he's been asleep for two whole for a whole week. And like, you know, subsisting off the IV. And he wakes up, goes to the bathroom, tries to turn on the light. There's no light. Tries to turn on the water. There's no water. He's like, what the hell is going on? And then he hears vague Middle Eastern music coming out from the door. And I'm pretty sure that's what the subtitles on Amazon actually said. It might've actually said vague Middle Eastern music. He opens the door and he finds that because there was a throwaway line earlier, basically saying like where Rip Torn says, if we were in Pakistan... You'd be sowing soccer balls by, but when you were four years old, blah blah blah. I'm angry, Rip Torn. I hate you, Gord. And <laughs> I'm going crazy just talking about this. <laughs> so what happens then is he opens the door and finds out that the house is elevated on a pole that is tied to the back of a truck in Pakistan, and they're now like. Let's go solve some soccer balls, Daddy. <laughs> and then get, he, Tom Green, gets in the truck, goes for a joyride through Pakistan, almost kills like a hundred civilians and like livestock while doing it. And then like what happens? There's like he no he slams the brakes really hard. Rip Torn goes flying out the door and into like some tarp. I think a bunch of goats run out. And then there's like a bus to keep. And then like 
then Tom Green runs out to see where his dad was. And then there's this Buster Keaton-esque gag yeah. or Charlie Chaplin-esque gag. I can't remember which one. Where the whole, the, yeah. the whole house falls down. The whole house falls down and like he, you know, is in the window hole. Yeah. Or the door. <laughs> the door frame, yeah. Yeah. Then basically it's a chase through the desert. It's a chase through the Pakistani desert of uh, Rip Torn basically saying for the 50th time in this movie, I'm going to kill you, Gord. Bet you didn't think I could run this fast, could you? <laughs> and then we get to... I mean, it wasn't enough that we saw a horse stick in this movie. It wasn't enough that we had to get... Um, <laughs> we had to get Tom Green playing around in a deer carcass. We had to get more um, weirdly sexual things with animals in this film. And I think is now the second movie in my life that I have now seen with elephant semen. Maybe the third. I can't remember if The Love Guru has elephant... The Love Guru has elephant sex... I don't know if it has elephant semen, though. But, so, to get away from... So, he finds this tent, and there's an elephant in this tent with a massive, massive penis. And he starts jerking off the penis. He start, Tom Green starts jerking off the elephant, and it jizzes all over, rip-torn, like, like it's a fire hydrant. It's yeah. disgusting. Fucking gross. It is gross. It's now... So Fucking now, paints his dad, pretty much. Th- this is the elephant semen double feature. This, along with the Brothers Grimsby, <laughs> is the elephant semen double feature. It's disgusting. There must... There just must be, like, a, a crowd for just weird elephant <laughs> semen fetishes. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yeah. That's it's on the dark web. That's on the dark web, by the way. <laughs> I, oh I don't God, it'd be somewhere, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. It'd never be in the vicinity of it. This fucking movie, man. Um, but then this is where we get a genuine heart to heart when Rip Torn is covered in elephant semen, being like, "Son, how the hell did you afford all this?" And he's like, "I sold my cartoon, Dad. I sold my cartoon for a million dollars." I was like, "Your silly little doodles. They bought him for a million dollars. Oh, that's amazing, son." And this is where he finally says, oh, I'm proud of you. It's like, come on, let's go home. I and think then... he also says, like, hey, Ed, you learn how to whack off an elephant. All right, let's go home, son. And then they're kidnapped by Pakistani villagers. And then there's a, um, <laughs> there's like a, um, I don't even know. Yeah, I think they, but my they brain get, they... was turned to mush at this point. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think what they were trying to convey is they, get, they got captured by, like Islamic, like an Islamic extremist group or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that specific. It's just they, they just say they Pakistani gotta... villages in yeah. the film. They don't say it. They don't say it's like the. Ta- they don't say it's like the Taliban or Al Qaeda yeah. or any of those guys. Basically, they just get they just get captured and ransom, ransom back to America. Yeah, and it's like national news because it's like breaking news tonight. Uh, creator of the hit animated series Zebras in America has been captured in Pakistan while vacationing near the Pakistani-Indian border. But it's like, would someone like that get that much notoriety, though? And then it's like a hostage crisis that, that like, um, it's a hostage crisis that lasts 18 months. I think there's, <laughs> there's some kind of, like, and again, there's some kind of, like, deer hunter um, sort of, like, Russian roulette gag yeah. that, in this moment as well. It's like they're taking down all the 70s anti-war films in this movie. <laughs> and then 
there's all the all the characters we've grown to love in this film of like um of like watching the tv reports um i think it's um darren watching from somewhere and being like holy shit like that's my friend and then it's um it's it's um gord's mum watching it with shaquille o'neal yeah because she took she took gord's advice and is now fucking nba players (laughs) because gord's mum is now fucking shaquille o'neal And it's like, you see that? Sh- you see that? That's my boy up there. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they are finally released. They, are, they get a hero's welcome back to the US. Everyone is like, yeah, zebras in America's rule. Um, and also, um, 18 months later, they both look like, like Tom Green looks like Forrest Gump in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> like when he goes for his run, Tom Green looks like Forrest Gump. And um, yeah, they get a hero's welcome at Portland Airport. Like Freddie is watching it on the TV, gathered around all the other children in the Institute of Sexually Molested Children. Yes, I'm going to give it its full name because it's still really funny. And he too looks like Forrest Gump. And he's like, "That's." And he says something like, "That's my brother." And it's like, "Oh," and he's like, "Oh, good job, good job, Gord." Or it's like, "I'm proud of you, Gord," or whatever. And oh my god, the sight gags in this final scene where they get their heroes welcome and they're like, welcome back to the US. Some of the signs are pretty funny. One of them says, zebras in America's rule. One of them says, please fill my brown hole, which was quite strange. There was another one which said, when the fuck is this movie going to end? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, Tom Green knew what was going on with this. He knew the joke. So basically, it's a happy ending. They're back. They're no longer kidnapped, and they drive off in a um, <laughs> they drive off in a limo to go back home. They've made amends. They've reconciled. They're they're father and son, happily father and son again. And then um, little a- little what is, what's his name? Oh, what's little Adam? Oh God, well, Andy. It's like at the airport. They Andy, little Andy's at the airport. The car, the car drives off, and he's like, "No, God, wait for me!" And the <laughs> propellers of this plane start go, start regoing again, and you hear this screaming, and blood and viscera and kids' guts are flying all over this crowd. And the final lines of the film is little Andy going, "I'm okay, Dad. I'm okay." I'm like. No, you're fucking. You are mincemeat right now, kid. There is no way you're talking. He's just a talking head, is all he is. No, he's not even a head. His, his head is fucking jelly right no, now. No, he's just paint. His just head paint is. Now. His head is red paint that is all over his father now. And then we cut the hard cut to credits with the gag reel with uh, Eminem's The Real Slim Shady being played over the background. And this is where we get the this is where we get the gag reel where we get a lot of the rejected gags. Stephen Tobolowski as the uncle uh, does not feature in this, but this is where we get great gags such as like more of him playing around with the deer carcass, him sucking from the cow's udders. <laughs> it's a weird film. I'm dying. Oh. <laughs> this film is killing me. <laughs> I've been trying to. Me trying to match the Tom Green register that he's at at this entire film because it's also a very physical performance too. I thought it was uh, you just doing Rip Torn. Oh uh, yeah, I'm doing both. It's a one man show. It's my one man stage show of Freddie Got Fingered. 
it's uh it's gonna be off 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 broadway i'm just gonna be doing it in my i'm just gonna be doing it in my shed um <laughs> for anyone interested in it uh i'm not gonna charge for it obviously because i would never do that to anybody um i don't it's bad enough that i'm doing this so a lot of the gags are truncated because they're sort of extended in the deleted scenes but usually a lot of bad comedies they have like these very vulgar jokes or these very simple jokes that are funny at first, but they are just elongated and just, you know, stretched out so thin that they weren't that funny to begin with, but they become unbearable at a point. This film doesn't really do that. And again, I don't know if that's because of the deleted scenes or because like, like Tom Green knew just where to draw the line of like just how much the audience could take and clearly they didn't because look at the response the film got but i don't know it's interesting what do you think i think in the case of like freddie got fingered it's sort of like because there are a lot of like really vulgar jokes as you sort of went more for quality in the sense of like shock value so instead of having like i think with those those other comedies they were more like more jokes but they're less funny or they're like or as you said like if it's a vulgar joke they stretch out uh, or they, they just keep calling back to mm. as them just trying to milk the shit out of the joke, which, you know, Tom Green doesn't seem to care. Like, in pretty good thinking, I think, like, you know, as you mentioned before, when he was thinking of, of drinking from the cows, other put in the film, and he decided not to do that because he's done that too many times. He doesn't <laughs> just want to be like, you know... Yeah, it's not, I'm, I'm not just here. playing the hits. I'm not just playing yeah. the hits here. Like, I am going to give you... I'm going to give you something you've never seen before. And he did... And it's just the thing that he he gave us was something kind of grotesque, horrifying, and yeah. just incredibly vulgar and tasteless. Probably something that many people just regretted watching us uh, just soon after finishing it, if they ever did. But now, something that I don't understand, they couldn't get the licensing to the end by the doors, but they could get the licensing to the real Slim Shady by Eminem, which was a much bigger song at the time. I'm uh, sure. I I think maybe it's because there is Tom Green is mentioned. In, it, it, there is a lyric about Tom Green in the real Slim Shady. So maybe he was like, "Hey, maybe he called up Eminem and was like, hey, I you, I, I said it's okay for me for you to use my name in your song. I'm using your song in my I movie.' I mean, I think like with the case of the doors because it was used in Apocalypse Now and it's an older song. They don't want it tarnished. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's like I don't know. Yeah, maybe tarnishing, but more so like. Like that's a song that's really proven its royalty value, while New Slim Shady boy song, where they would be like more eager to sort of sell the rights. But like, imagine if that scene was like, and it wasn't because I've seen the deleted scene. It's only like a minute, like ninety seconds long. But imagine if there was like an extended version of that scene that's the entire length of the Doors, like all of the end, where the entire twelve minutes of way too much Tom Green going nuts. I don't even know if, like, even in, like, Apocalypse Now, they use all of the end. Like, they probably no, they use don't use the entire song, I don't think. Uh, I dare they, yeah. I, I don't think, even if, though, like, there are cuts of that film that are, like, well over three hours, I don't even think they would use the whole song at any one instant. But, yeah, like, the, I've just got the lyrics up for The Real Slim Shady here, and here is the lyric of what it is. It's like, sometimes I want to get on TV and just get loose, but can't, but it's cool for Tom Green to hump a dead moose. 
Christ. Oh, I'm curious as to whether or not that, that, that line might have any truth in it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's done. I don't know if that was just Eminem freestyling or if Tom yeah. Green actually did hump a dead uh, moose carcass on the Tom Green show. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised, really. Yes, as we said at the top of the show, uh, this film got eight, five Razzie wins, including Worst Director, Worst Actor, and Worst Picture. And the films that it... And 2001 was a pretty bad year for films. Like, if you have a look at the films that it was coming up against, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up what it actually uh, won against. Because Tom Green famously was the first person to ever show up in person to accept the Razzie Award. At least he's a good sport. He actually, and he famously did this. He even, when arrived, he brought his own red carpet, rolled it out, and the media were actually there and interviewed him. And when he won for Worst Picture, and in his acceptance speech, at the end of his acceptance speech, he just did a harmonica solo. (laughs) And eventually, he did it for so long, they had to drag him off the stage. Oh my god, that's incredible. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was making. He knew this movie was going to be trash and he embraced it. He embraced it. And I cannot fault him for that. And that is why I cannot trash this movie. Because there it is a very weird and demented respect that I have for this film. It's like a curious admiration, really. It is. Like people. I'm sure rightfully hate this film, but it is a film that I would weirdly recommend. It is a scene. You have to see this film to believe everything that happens because your jaw will just be on the, like dropped to the ground for the entirety of this film. And it's a short watch too. It's like 87 minutes. So you're not going to waste a night on it. It's available to stream on Amazon prime. I mean, it goes by fast. It does. It does. But again, like this is a film, like if it is totally not your thing by like, if, if you were grossed out by Tom Green jerking off a horse in the first 10 minutes, then you are well within your rights to turn the movie off. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that, 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 uh, Tom Green harmonica saw. That's, that's incredible. I didn't I've even been know that. Tr- I have been trying to find video footage of it and I cannot find it. That's like better than almost Pretty much like all Oscar acceptance speeches. That's like yeah. that's almost as good as like the um, Joe Pesci just walks up, he's like, "Thank you," and he walks <laughs> straight away, doesn't even give a speech. All right, Freddie got fingered. One worst picture at the Razzies in two thousand and one. It beat Driven, Glitter, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland, and Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Well, I heard Glitter was pretty shit. Yeah, well... (laughs) Can't even remember Pearl Harbor. Well, Mariah Carey... Glitter was a Mariah Carey vanity project. It was a terrible film, but also, like, you know, it was released around... Like, it was a massive box office failure. And Mariah Carey blamed the box office failure of Glitter on (laughs) 9-11. That's awful. Yeah. an awful excuse. Uh, Tom, Tom Green, he also won Worst Screen Couple for Worst Screen Couple went to Tom Green and Any Animal He Abuses in Freddy Got Fingered. 
He also won Worst Director, beating Michael Bay, Rennie Harland, beating Michael Bay and Rennie Harland, who are Razzie's, you know, leg- like, you know, Razzie's Hall of Famers. Basically, like, like uh, the amount of nominations they would have got would be, like, equivalent to, um, uh, shit, Meryl Streep, I guess, getting, like, Oscar nominations. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, it got nominated in so many things. Rip Torn also got nominated for Worst Supporting Actor. Drew Barrymore got nominated for Worst Supporting Actress, even though she's in the movie for like two minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you, you, you vote for one, you have to take the other. I guess, like, did Tom Green guilt Drew Barrymore into doing this film? Because Tom Green was like, hey, I, I was in Charlie's Angels. I was the Chad. I was the Chad in Charlie's Angels. So now you got to be in my movie, babe. You got to do it. Come on, Drew. Come on. Be in my movie, please. Please be in my movie. Please be in my movie, please. I, I, would, I would imagine that she would have just done it for fun. She's barely in the film. I, I guess like if she played a more vital role, she'd probably be like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> Only got like two Oh, scenes. man. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm trying to find... Hold on. I, I'm, I'm bringing up the... Can, no. It, it's an article from the BBC from the Razzies. Uh, yeah, the... The movie resisted the challenge of Sylvester Stallone's Driven and Mariah Carey's Glitter to win the overall worst film. He arrived in a white Cadillac wearing a tuxedo, rolled out his own red carpet. Quote, we set out to make this film and we wanted to win a Razzie. So for me, this is a dream come true. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, he was the second. Sorry, Paul Verhoeven appeared in person for when he won the worst filmmaker for for Showgirls. (laughs) Legend. Yeah, so <laughs> honestly, I think if you ever if you ever accept like a, a Razian person, that just like automatically just makes you a like, yeah. They know they know it's shit. Like if you find um when Halle Berry Halle Berry collected hers in person for Catwoman for Catwoman, sorry, with her Oscar in hand, so she had an Oscar in one hand and a Raz in the other one. And play, look up her acceptance speech on YouTube for the Razzie. It's pretty freaking great. Ah, Freddy got fingered. What a film. What a film. Like, this is weird. Where do you think this ranks along all the films we've done for Film Fiasco so far? Because Easily the best one. Uh, well, here's the thing. I'd find... I'd still think that Scooby-Doo is probably the, quote, best film we've done. But, like, like there was actually... They were try, actually trying... There was an attempt to make a movie there. I think, but, yeah... <laughs> I don't know, like, this one, there was an attempt to make a film, but it's like, it's a film that's supposed to play with the audience in a malicious way, that they weren't trying to tell, like, an earnest story or anything. Yeah, uh, like... Of course, like, Gooby-Doo, there was a lot of effort put into that, as you told me, like... Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things in, with studio interference here, but this is, like, the opposite. This is the opposite. Like, they just yeah. let Tom Green, and I'm glad they let him do whatever actually no no there was a little bit of audio studio interference actually because tom green has has floated the idea of saying if 20th century fox would allow him to do a director's cut for like an anniversary of the film he would be down to do it like he said he would one day want to release a director's cut of this film they lost a whole heap of money yeah films like theatrical release but then again, like maybe maybe the, his director's cut would just be like all the deleted scenes in there. Because I forgot to mention one other deleted scene, and like 
one other deleted scene was when he still has the helicopter. He picks up Rip Torn's boat that they had and he drops it into the harbour and like completely destroys this boat. So it was like this huge set piece, like this huge stunt, like this huge sort of, you know, like explosion. And it's not in the film. <laughs> but yeah, this... I'd like to see a director's cut. Uh, I mean, uh, you're probably right in like, with all the deleted scenes that he had, anything else that was recorded probably wasn't like enough to scrape a scene out of or a gag or whatever. But it'd be interesting to see there's like more or uh, to the film, possibly, like, stuff that hasn't been seen before, like, more other, even more bizarre gags, they probably thought, like, yeah, maybe we did go too far with this. They decided to give it the axe and didn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> All uh, right. Yeah. Back to the Razzie ceremony for this film. Um, receiving the award for overall, worst be- for overall Worst Picture, Green said, I would like to say to all the other nominees of the audience, I do not think I deserve this more than anyone else. <laughs> it is a very proud day for me. Green then concluded his speech with a specially composed piece of music he played on the harmonica. When the, or, or, the organizers had to drag the star off the stage when it became clear his composition was never ending. Apparently I have to make way for a birthday party, he shouted. Oh, Tom Green, you mad genius. You mad fool and you mad genius. That is Freddy Got Fingered, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what a ride. What a film. Any closing thoughts on this, Eric? Oh, just watch it. It's fantastic. It is. Australian listeners, this film is currently available on Amazon Prime right now. Um, It is... I'd say this movie transcends It's So Bad It's Good. It is a film that is just... You have to see it to see whatever this is. This is a whole new category. This is this is it's a category unto itself. Yeah, I'm hoping like with with the more with more episodes we do, we just come across like really bizarre films that are like they they I don't know. There's they they look terrible, but there are some like good elements to them to the point where it's like you can see why someone th- would think it's terrible, but you could also see why someone might think it's good. Exactly. For Have sure. our own like, unique category for, for oddities like Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, and if you, gentle listeners, have a film in mind that fits that criteria and would like us to cover that on our show, send us your requests, email us, anotherbloodymoviepod at gmail.com. As for all our other plugs, you know, Follow us wherever you get your good podcasts. Follow another Bunny Movie podcast. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days. Spotify. Basically, wherever you get your podcast fix, just search for another Bunny Movie podcast and hit that subscribe button. What was that? We're everywhere. Yeah. We're everywhere. On, on, just wherever, bad, wherever good podcasts and bad podcasts are found, we're there. Whether you like it or not. Talking about Freddy Got Fingered, for what I'm guessing is way longer than the actual runtime of the film. I, I can't see how long we've been recording because it's over Zoom and there's no uh, length at the moment. But anyway. <laughs> it always sounds awful when like, we're talking about Freddy got fingered. <laughs> <laughs> we've said it's it like thinking like back to that rip torn, like, oh, you're taking it out of context. Like, if someone just heard that, they'd be like, what the If fuck? you had no idea what this film was, like, people would be horrified listening to this. <laughs> Jesus. Uh... As for all our social medias, though, you can like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast, and you can like follow us on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. Oh, jeez, excuse me. This 
this has taken a lot out of me this episode all the yelling all the laughing all the just befuddlement that is in this film this film is just more than a morbid curiosity it is an experience like no other but as for my social media links you can follow me on instagram at shorthub underscore both on twitter at shorthub underscore as well and you can follow me on letterbox that is letterbox.com forward slash sean coates eric has a letterbox account too uh i believe that is letterbox.com forward slash mr pickles or has it changed again no it's mr pickle oh mr pickle yeah only one pickle Oh no, it's Mr. Pickles. That's I think that that section is always going to remain the same because that's just like the default profile name. All right. Well, go if you can't if you can't find Eric's Letterboxd account, just go through my reviews, and if you see a stupid comment on one of them, <laughs> odds are it's Eric. <laughs> As for other reviews that I do, you can find my written reviews over at moviebabblereviews.com. Uh, at the moment, Movie Babble staff have been doing some uh, quarantine selections that you can watch in uh, isolation while we're in, you know, while we're under quarantine due to COVID-19. So go check those out. I've contributed to a couple of those. And I'm also going to be writing a retrospective review for Lahane, Matthew Kasovitz's masterpiece for its 25th anniversary this month. So keep an eye out on moviebabblereviews.com for that. Thanks very much for listening. Put your requests into our email. And again, that is anotherbuddymoviepod at gmail.com. We'll be doing more. Hopefully we can do more film fiascos because there's no, we're probably not going to do regular ABMP episodes because there's no movies coming out at the moment. So the up, the upkeep and film fiascos might increase. So get your requests in. We're going to be doing more. We hope to do more. Thanks to Eric for coming on. No problem, Sean. Number one co-host. Love you to bits, mate. Thanks for coming on. And thank you for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.